Shall we pray again? Father, we thank you for your word that tells us of your son's birth. And I pray tonight as we think about what his coming to this earth meant, that you would really speak to each one who's here. Encourage our hearts. Lift us up. Fill us with joy and peace and hope. Because Jesus Christ has come. We ask it in his name. Amen. When it comes to Christmas, almost all of us have things that we like to do during this time of year that are kind of favorite family traditions. Maybe there's a meal that you especially enjoy and are looking forward to. Maybe it's cooking right now even, or you're going to be enjoying it a little bit later. Uh, maybe there are certain uh, things that you want to do at Christmas time that you've always done, the way you uh, get the tree or decorate the tree, or the way that you, uh, maybe there's a movie or something that you like to see. For me, one of the things that I always enjoy every Christmas is that I like to turn the lights off in the house, everything except the Christmas tree and maybe a few candles, and have the lights on and just put on some Christmas music. And I like to sit in the quiet and enjoy the sounds and the words of those favorite Christmas songs. There's something for me about seeing that light in the darkness, if you will, that really captures what Christmas is about. For those who have been a part of our church this fall, you know that we've been working our way through John's Gospel. And in John's Gospel, Jesus uh, is called the light of the world. John calls him that. In chapter 1, when he talked about Jesus, he said that in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And there was a man who was sent from God, and his name was John, and he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. And the true light that gives life to every man was coming into the world. That light was Jesus Christ. Now, where did John get that picture of Jesus or a metaphor of light? Well, I believe that it was from Jesus himself. You see, Jesus, in this Gospel of John, declares that I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Tonight, as a part of our uh, service here, we light the Christmas candle that symbolizes his coming to earth. And I think it's especially appropriate to talk about this in the sense that Jesus is indeed the light of the world. Whose light he would like to have shine in the life of every person. When Jesus made that statement in John 8, chapter 12, where he declared that he was the light of the world, what made that declaration even more dramatic was the timing of it. It came during an observance that was called the Feast of Tabernacles. Now yesterday, for those who were here in our worship service, we looked at one of the two great ceremonies that took place during this festival. It occurs every year in October. In this Feast of Tabernacles or booths where the people would come and they would build temporary shelters that they would live in. It reminded them of what they had gone through in the wilderness experience when Moses had led the children out of Egypt into the promised land. 
one of those great ceremonies we looked at yesterday, and that was the pouring out of water on the altar that symbolized or pictured that in the days of the Messiah, God was going to pour out His Holy Spirit upon His people. He was the author of life, the giver of life, and for all who would believe in Jesus, Jesus declared that He would give them those streams of living water and the Holy Spirit would flow within us. But there was a second great ceremony that took place during that time, and it actually occurred on the opening day of that festival. It was the ceremony of illumination. It took place on the Temple Mount in the treasury area at the beginning of the feast. And Kent Hughes describes it like this. He said, In the center of the treasury, four great torches were set up. Some accounts say that the torches were as high as the highest walls of the temple, and that at the top of these golden candelabras were great bowls holding 65 liters of oil. The young and healthy priests would carry the oil up to the top, where they would light the protruding wicks, and great flames leapt out that illuminated not only the whole Temple Mount, but because the Temple Mount sits up higher than the city of Jerusalem, it was a light for everyone to see in all quarters of that city. You know, when I read about this, what came to mind for me was it was very much in a sense like what happens at the beginning of the Olympic Games when they light the torch. And everybody who's in that Olympic village can look and see that light. But what did that represent for the Israelites and what took place in this ceremony? Well, it was a spectacular ceremony. The Mishnah describes what happens after the torches were lit. That men of piety and good works used to dance before them with burning torches in their hands. And they sang songs and praises. And the Levites played on harps and lyres and cymbals with trumpets and instruments of music. And they would dance until dawn. It was a wonderful festival celebrating the great pillar of fire that led the people of Israel in their wilderness wanderings. It was a reminder of how God had been with them and led them in that pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. And they were to look at that great torch and remember. It was in this place, during this feast, that Jesus then declared to the crowd as He raised His voice above them and proclaimed that I am the light of the world. And whoever follows Me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There would scarcely be a more dramatic way to announce one of the supreme realities of who Jesus is. He's the light in the darkness. It was all designed to remind people of who God intends to be in each of our lives. What a powerful scene that must have been. What did that light mean to the Israelites? Well, light is a metaphor that was used in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And one of the things that light reminds us of is that light is a symbol of God's presence. When the Israelites saw the pillar of fire in the wilderness, they knew that God was with them. And that light was a comfort to them. 
in the same way that when a child at night is fearful, a tiny nightlight can be a real assurance to them, a great comfort. It helps them to see in the dark and it reminds them of their parents' presence and that they need not fear. Jesus is the light in the darkness for us. When we place our trust in Him and open our hearts to Him, that light shines in us. Paul said in Ephesians 5.8 that once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. If you have placed your trust in Him, Jesus comes to dwell in us. That light shines in us and people can see the difference that Christ makes in our life. He promises that He will never no, never leave us nor forsake us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. But secondly, that light is also a symbol of God's protection. Do you remember when the chariots of Pharaoh tried to cut the Israelites off and capture them after they had gone out from Egypt and Pharaoh was having second thoughts about this, about letting them go? They tried to prevent them from crossing the Red Sea and what did God do in that setting? That pillar of cloud and fire came between the Israelites and the armies of Pharaoh. God parted the sea and He did not move until all of the Israelites were safely across. Jesus is our protector too. In this life, Satan can do no more than God will allow. We will go through trials in this life. We will experience suffering in this life. But nothing can ever separate us from His love. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. In all our trials, the Bible says we are more than conquerors because of Him who loved us so. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that can ever separate us from His love. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And one day He will bring us safely home. I love to think about that. In Matthew's Gospel, Matthew records some of the mystery parables that Jesus taught. One of those parables related to the future was the parable of the tares the weeds that were sown along with the fruit, the grain that was good and valuable. And Jesus said there was a day that would come at the end of the age when the harvest would come. And the harvesters are the angels. And in that day, the weeds are going to be pulled up and burned in the fire. And the Son of Man will send out His angels and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And they will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. He speaks of a great difference there, doesn't he? He speaks of the eternal destiny of all individuals that some will end up because of their rejection of Christ being thrown into the lake of fire. And others who know Him will shine like the sun in the fullness of His glory. 
C.S. Lewis once noted that the heavens only reflect or suggest the glory of God. But we share the glory of God with Christ and we will be more glorious than the heavens. He said that nature is mortal and we shall outlive her. And when all the suns and nebulae have passed away, each one of you will still be alive. Think about that. That when this present and her, present heaven and earth passes from the scenes and all of these wonderful things that are part of our universe disappear, the Bible says that you and I will still be here. The only question is where will we spend eternity? Will it be in heaven with Christ or will it be separated from Christ? I don't know why anyone would choose to live apart from Christ when He has promised the glories of heaven to all those who will believe in Him. Light is a symbol of His presence. It's a symbol of His protection. Light is also a symbol of His guidance. For 40 years, God guided the Israelites in the wilderness by the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. He tells us about that in Numbers chapter 9 when he said, On the day the tabernacle, the tent of testimony, was set up, the cloud covered it. The Shekinah glory came down and was present there. From evening till morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. And that is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it. And at night it looked like fire. And that tabernacle was in the middle of the encampment of the Israelites who were all around it. All they had to do was look and they saw this sign of God's presence. And at the Lord's command, the Israelites set out. And at His command, they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, they obeyed the Lord's order and they did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days and they would remain. And sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning and when it lifted in the morning, they set out. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud lifted, they moved. And whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. It's a picture again of how God wants us to live in obedience to Him. Jesus says, Whoever follows Me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I will show you, and I will lead you, if you will seek Me. Follow Me, He says, and I will lead you and guide you. I will show you the way because I am the way and the truth and the life. Are you looking for guidance and direction tonight? then follow Jesus Christ. Are you searching for meaning and purpose in life? Then follow Jesus Christ. Are you looking for answers to some of those questions that you've been wrestling with? Then follow Jesus Christ and He will show you the way. He is the answer to our heart's deepest yearnings. And if you have never put your hope in Christ as your Savior and Lord, I urge you to do that tonight and to receive this wonderful gift that God has given. The promises that He has made are for those who will follow Him in obedience to His command. And for those of us who know Him and who have made that commitment, 
We need His light every day, don't we? We need the guidance that He gives in His Word and in prayer. That's why we need to be a people that are looking to Him continually. And He has promised, whether it's as a church or as individuals, He will direct our steps if we will continue to look to Him. What a tremendous blessing that is. It's why Jesus came at Christmas time. He came to be that light in the darkness and to show us the way to the Father. And one day, He will lead us safely home. Let's pray. Father, I thank You so much for Jesus. All of us see the troubles and difficulties that are in the world in which we live. We don't have to look very far to see the evidence of sin, hatred, greed, immorality, all of those things that come from the flesh. But You came to make us new, to make all things new. And I pray, Father, tonight, if there's anyone here who's never made that commitment to trust in You as their Savior and Lord, I pray that You will do that tonight. And simply ask Jesus to come into your heart to forgive your sins, to be that light and life for you. And He will do that. And He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus, thank You for all that You have accomplished for us. Thank You for the blessing You are to our lives. In Your name we pray. Amen.